even as we did start coding, started shipping, we never stopped sort of the, the desk research and reaching out to people and just talking about the problem. Welcome to the Hyper Engage podcast. We are so happy to have you along our journey. Here, we uncover bits of knowledge from some of the greatest minds in tech. We unearth the hows, whys, and whats that drive the tech of today. Welcome to the movement. Hey, greetings, everybody. This is Adil from Happeringate Podcast. We have Robin from, uh, he's he's the CEO and co-founder of Nango. It's uh, They launched this platform just a few uh, months back, and it's an open source platform for third-party integrations for developer teams. So I would really appreciate, uh, Robin, first of all, thank you very much for taking the time today. And I would appreciate if you just go ahead and uh, talk us through uh, well, how did you uh, get to know this is a real big problem because there are loads of other uh, API platforms as well. Given your prior background, I'm sure that you pretty much lived this problem uh, for the longest of times. And how did you initially thought, what was the thought process of uh, you know solving this problem for, for developers? Hey, Adil. Yeah, great to be on the podcast. And uh, thanks a lot for having me. Um, and, you know, me and my co-founder, we both really experienced this problem at our last uh, B2B SaaS companies. So we both built B2B SaaS products before um, we had to integrate with other systems and external APIs. And, and those integrations were super important for our customers. So it was one of the key features, basically, of the product was like, which software do we integrate and how do those integrations work? How do we drive value? Um, what we realized, though, is that on the software engineering side, those were really cumbersome to build. Um, and we sort of like had to build out internal infrastructure to make building integrations less painful over time to make sure that we can actually support them as we scale. Um, and so when we experienced that, we're like, you know, this got to be sort of a better way. Like this really sucks what we're doing. Um, we started talking to, you know, dozens of other, you know, software companies, B2B SaaS companies, basically. Um, and we realized that everybody's doing the same thing. So most of those teams today, they basically build those integrations one by one. They built them with their like, you know, HTTP request library, maybe some background job processing, but like basically a lot of internal frameworks get built. Um, and that's what we're tackling. And, and we're starting with the OAuth problem, basically. So OAuth is like the, the way you integrate and authenticate to like third-party APIs. So it's the first step that you need to handle. And we built a much more scalable, you know, out-of-the-box solution for this. Love it. Love it. So uh, talking about some complicated, uh, you know, integrations such as Salesforce, uh, you know, do you have all the documentations and all the SDKs for your customers to make sure, okay, they are pretty much up and running and they know everything that they, you know, how they need to map all of those uh, integration components? Yeah. So one of the, the important things that we learned is that people have very different needs when they're looking to build integrations. And so one of the core tenants of what we're doing at Nango is that we never restrict what kind of integration you can build with us. And we never restrict which parts of the API you can work with. Um, and that led us to an approach where we're more of like a developer infrastructure. So you can think of us more as like, you know, like a database tool or like an application framework or a library than sort of like a wrapper around your API that will like sort of, you know, pre-build everything for you and restrict you. We're like pre-building the hard technical stuff, like the OAuth flow. We do all the OAuth flow management. We do all the access token management. We make sure they're securely encrypted in your database. We make sure that they're refreshed whenever they need to be refreshed and all of those things. But then we don't tell you what you should go and do with those access tokens. So you can make any API requests that you want basically with us. Mm, great. Interesting. Okay, so let's uh, rewind back a little bit. Uh, you know, you started a few months back. 
How did you find your co-founder? What was uh, the initial talks that you had? And then what was, uh, you know, what was the vision that you shared? Sure. Um, it was funny, you know, like me and my co-founder, we actually met uh, online on, on YC co-founder match. Um, we were both second time, we were both second time founders this time around. Um, and we basically matched there because I think we were both like sort of interested in, in similar spaces and problems. Um, we had a few new conversations or Zoom video calls. Um, and he's so he's based in, you know, Paris, France. Um, I'm most of the time here in Zurich, Switzerland. We both travel regularly to San Francisco and, and the West Coast. Um, but yeah, so I think like those, you know, initial calls basically kicked it off. We, we realized that we share like the same passion. And I think especially important for coworker, for co-founders is that like, we also share the same mode of working, you know, similar values that are important to us, um, similar kinds of like vision that we had for the company and how we want to build the culture and the team and, and how we want to go about building the next thing. Um, and then things just honestly started rolling from there. You know, we started interviewing more potential mm -hmm. prospects. Uh, learn more about the problem and, and started building. Mm. Yeah, because uh, you know, once you get bigger as a as a as a tech business and you want to hire senior people from the industry, uh, it is good for them to you know align on on maybe principles and operating principle of sorts. But also, when you talk about uh, your co-founding team, uh, when you talk about your initial people that are going to be A players going in and out with you with success, good and bad, all of that. You need to be very sure, uh, make sure that, you know, they're absolutely aligned on values uh, apart from everything else. So this becomes super important for uh, a group of people, maybe a couple of people just like yourself, you both, uh, to make sure you are very much focused on one uh, goal as well as you have common values to share. Uh, so from that on, uh, from that point on, uh, so how did you get started? Uh, you know, moving on to the YC. I know that they have an application process that becomes complicated for a lot of startups. So how did that journey uh, go along? Sure, um, I think like one thing that we did early on, and, and I think that was because part of the sort of the key tenants and you know the values that we define and shared, right? Is that we decided we want to test as much um, as possible about this problem space that we're solving. We're building as little as possible, and so we wrote a blog post about this too. Actually, um, how we like did like the first three four iterations on like the solution to this problem. We basically did with very little coding, um, and so what we would do is like sort of you know we come up with an idea on, on like okay how could we actually help into engineers build those integrations better? What's like you know an aspect of the problem we can focus on first? Um, build like sort of a landing page around it, or maybe even just craft like a, an email pitch, right? And like try to convince basically a few people to give us some of their time and, and talk to us about their problems and about like the potential solution. Um, and I think that quickly gave us feedback on whether there is interest around the way we were framing the problem and the solution and, and whether that message resonates. And that was always around like sort of a key value proposition, right? It'd be like, I don't know, we make, you know, process X faster for you, or we help you avoid why or like integrate once with us and get like those like 15 integrations, you know, to systems like out of the box. Right. Um, and that quickly let us like iterate. Um, and so that's like how we basically, you know, iterated our ways through the three, four first iterations mm -hmm. of the product that eventually landed us on this OAuth idea um, that we realized like really had traction. Basically people were starting to use it. Plus we understood that like, you know, in hindsight, 20 out of 20, right. Like, it's the first thing you need to do with an API. So it kind of makes sense that it's like the first thing to adopt for people. Um, and then now that they're using it, they have like all those ideas on other ways of how we can help them. 
Um, and I think that's, you know, sort of a great, you know, motion that you get as an early stage product. Once you get through that initial hurdle of how can I get somebody to actually use what I'm building, then typically you'll find like a lot of follow on, or at least that's been for us, like so find like find a lot of follow on use cases and problems that you can solve for people as well. And that's how you shape your product, like based on, you know, you navigate the gaps, you hand it to the people that are of potential, they use it to, uh, you know, to the best of their use cases and processes, and then they come up with feedback that helps you uh, get the product in the right direction. So uh, where you guys are at now, uh, you have like how much of the user experience that you you received in the, in the beginning and where you guys at? So now we have, you know, a couple dozen companies use the product in production, basically, um, from like, you know, very early stage startups to like, you know, decently sized businesses actually already, um, you know, testing it sort of in with various um, different use cases. Um, and we're, you know, continuously learning with those people. So for instance, we have a Slack community, which is the main way in which we interact with people actually is that, you know, most people who install it and, and embed it into a product. Um, they join our Slack community sooner or later. And that's, you know, an easy way for us to get feedback. It's a great way for them to stay updated with, you know, new features that we're bringing out. And then because this thing is open source, we're also, you know, using GitHub a lot to collaborate with our people. So we have, for instance, GitHub issues on all the next things that we're planning to do. We have a public roadmap that shows everybody what we are working on. Um, and we even have like, you know, tags and issues that let them basically pitch in if they want to contribute and, and take on certain, you know, work on, on, on features that we have planned. Um, and so continue together with the community and, and, and the users, basically, we're shaping the product and, and iterating on it every week. Great. That's that's very interesting that you are trying to get a close-knit community of your customers and uh, advocates and they are sharing experiences. All of those are, you know, software engineers or engineering tech teams, and they're trying to share their code base uh, from GitHub, GitHub and uh, based on their feedback, they contribute towards not only just making... Uh, themselves use a product uh, potentially, but also helping you uh, be a better product. So now uh, talking about like there, there's some big players, uh, you know, that like Postman, I'm sure they they also have the one of these services like uh, like you, like there is another product out of Texas, uh, Stoplight. They're also uh, doing the similar uh, similar thing. So what is uh, what is the plan on on market positioning going forward? I think we really want to be like, you know, the easiest way for engineers to integrate their software with external APIs. Um, that's how we sort of like the struggle that we see and the struggle that we are passionate about. Um, we see that most, you know, B2B SaaS software these days, you know, it's kind of no longer an, an, a one-man island, right? Like they're connected and live in a bigger ecosystem. They need to integrate with, you know, five, 10, 15 different other tools that all their customers are using. How those integrations are built are actually like is typically quite custom. So like it really depends on the what you're doing in your product, how your customers are using those other products. Um, and so there's little sort of overlap between different companies. But what we do see is that there's sort of like a common share, you know, infrastructure layer that each of those engineering teams ends up rebuilding. Uh, the first one being OAuth, but there's stuff, you know, around webhooks, reliable request handling, you know, sort of data synchronization. Um, data mapping and so on that we see and like sort of our goal is basically to build layer after layer for this to help the engineering teams to make it easier to work with those external APIs and to basically ship a lot more customer value faster. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. So talking about uh, customer experiences, you know, of course, you, you give them the best experience, you onboard them, then you make sure they adopt to the platform. So how you guys are 
you know, managing the post sales journey, like uh, how you're uh, making sure uh, you're staying on top of your customer activities to make sure, okay, you, they're served well. And, uh, you know, if they're facing any kind of complication, you can just hit them up on, on Slack or something, or they, you know, you just expecting them to come every, every time and share uh, their problems or maybe some of the feedback. How does that work? Sure. Um, I mean, you know, I think, so for us, we're, we're a product-led sort of product. Um, there's a free tier even on the cloud thing. But, you know, so basically, first of all, we have like different products, sort of like we, it's one product, but there's different ways which you can deploy it. So we have a cloud-hosted version where we manage everything for you, where we can also sort of see what you're doing, right? And we get like metrics and activities and we can be proactive about reach out. Um, but then there's a self-hosted version where you can take our product and you can run it on your own server, and we don't actually see what's going on on that one. So, you know, we cannot really be proactive and, and sort of tell you what's going on on that one. Um, and also the monetization on, on that side is, is different, basically. Um, like as long as you self-host it, we currently don't charge you anything. And, and there's no, you know, sort of plans to introduce um, monetization on that side um, soon, basically. Um, and so what we also see is that, you know, like we're not like, so we're not selling people up, up front even on the cloud, right? It's like this free tier. Um, you basically just sign up, you start using it. And, and so we see people adopt it that way and then basically grow their usage over time, which then, you know, sort of means that there, there ends up being like sort of um, a monetization mm -hmm. aspect to it. Mm -hmm. I spoke to, I spoke to this uh, with Jitsu team as well. So they are open source too. And uh, mm -hmm. I was, you know, we were also, uh, you know, one of our friends is building a very big product and doing the integration on top of all their, their open source models and everything. So how do you guys manage the unit economics uh, on this? Like, uh, let's say one of your customers, you know, they have like, of course it is just an API integration. So how does the data and uh, and, and the scalability of your customer would affect the unit economics uh, on the server side, as well as uh, on the database side for you? Yeah, I mean, I think in general, we're thinking about this as sort of like a usage-based um, thing, right? Like sort of, we want to be aligned with the value that we're generating for our customers. And broadly speaking, the more we power of your integrations and the more integrations we power for you, for the more of your users, the more value we're delivering. And, and we're sort of looking to capture that. Though, to be honest, you know, like, the, you know, as we mentioned, like the product is just a few months old. Like I think, you know, monetization is not the core tenant for us right now. And it's not the thing that we're you know, most of them and about. Um, we sort of have ideas on, on how the pricing, you know, might evolve in the future, but I think this is, you know, very much still an ongoing process of discovery to get rid of our customers um, to understand basically what is a fair pricing model and how can we make sure things are good for both sides. Great. Of course, once you're going to be, uh, you know, doing all the GTM frameworks, the pricing packaging that will definitely come into play. And you're just trying to analyze the patterns and uh, of course, uh, the back office you're trying to make sure that you know how you can do the unit economics uh, in, in, a, in a more scalable uh, version uh, once you get like more customers more and more users okay so now tell us more about how do you get into a y combinator how did how did it turn out for you like uh, was it good bad what are the pros and cons and uh, I'm, I'm sure so many uh, YC startups uh, that have also come up and shared their opinions and, uh, you know, it's just their experiences. And then rest people that are listening, uh, you know, early stage founders, they are trying to get into this winter batch coming up and uh, they'll have some two cents from you. Sure. Um, I think, you know, we decided to do YC or we applied to YC back in, in September last year, um, September 2022. 
Um, we got accepted very early into the program. Um, I think YC has been really good for us. Um, it definitely made us faster on, on many points, um, partly I think because of the kind of product that we're selling. You know, there's a lot of, um, I think, initial and, and fast feedback we could get from other batchmates, um, and that was definitely helpful. Um, but also I think the YC partners, you know, advise, basically they've just seen a tremendous amount of companies successful and less successful over the past 10 years um, and have, you know, really, um, I think, developed good frameworks and, 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 and um, what do you say, like sort of benchmarks for, for what, you know, good looks like and like sort of a lot of pitfalls um, and common mistakes that they see founders make. Um, and so that has been great. The YC alumni community um, is also very supportive. Um, and there is a, you know, fast growing sort of open source community within inside of the YC uh, community that definitely has been also very helpful for us in terms of getting feedback, um, in terms of getting advice on, on sort of like open source specific questions um, and just helping us basically move faster. Great. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm also familiar with like how close their community is, how supported their community is. And a lot of these startups, they get their initial customers from, from their bets, uh, batchmates and the, you know, their former uh, YC products uh, did So how did that uh, turn out for you? Like, of course you wanted. Um, we have some users from that side, though they're not the majority um, of the users of the mm -hmm. product right now. Um, so we do have, you know, some batchmates, you know, use us. We do have some YC alumni um, who are using us very successfully, but we also have people from outside the YC community um, who are using us very successfully. And, and it's also, you know, I think a big chunk where we're seeing the growth coming from. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's definitely helpful if you're doing something regard like sort of as a B2B kind of company, B2B SaaS or, or something similar. I think you'll find a lot of value in talking to your batchmates and getting feedback fast because people are, you know, in a similar situation as you, right? Like everybody's trying to understand basically whether their idea works and there's actually like value that they're delivering. And so people tend mm -hmm. to be brutally honest with you, um, which is great because like <laughs> there's nothing worse at this stage um, than sort of like, you know, kind of nice feedback, though that's not really like telling you that there is actually a problem and it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're missing that, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I think from, from this perspective, it's, it's a really good community. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you very much for explaining that. Okay, so a lot of uh, these, uh, even YC people like Michael Sable and Dalton, all these folks, they preach too much that, uh, you know, before writing a, a line of code, you just got to go talk to your future customers, get initial feedback, and make sure, I'm not sure it's if that is, uh, you know, that is practical in your case, because you are more of a developer tool. However, uh, how does that, uh, what is in your opinion that has worked out for you? Like, have you built a product and taken and handed it over to the people, build a minimal viable product of it, and then got the feedback to get some integrations? How did yeah, I think it's a really tricky and a really interesting question, honestly, this one. Um, so I think like, as I mentioned, you know, we, we did a lot of um, initial idea and problem validation be without sort of building any product. And I do think it has made us faster in many ways. Um, at the same time, I think there is something, there is a point sort of that I think you, nobody can really put a finger on um, where you sort of have to jump and, and, and say, like, okay, I, I do think there is something there and we're going to start to build something and, and start to like sort of put it out there and, and have people like, you know, see if we can get people to actually use it. Especially if you're trying to do something like we're doing where you, you know, we're doing a lot of like 
community-led bottoms-up kind of adoption, you know, directly working with the engineers who are using the product. And, and this is really hard to sort of validate if, if nobody can actually use it, right? Like there's no way to validate whether people would go and like, you know, download your Docker container and try to run it locally and then like open GitHub issues and start contributing ideas on, on how to improve it unless you're sort of out there and, and it's actually usable. Um, okay. I did not, you know, to this day, I don't know really, you know, how how I would like pin that down and say like, okay, now is the right moment in time where you should go from like sort of desk research to actually getting your hands dirty coding and starting to ship. Do I think an important part is that even as we did start coding, started shipping, we never stopped sort of the, the desk research and reaching out to people and just talking about the problem, um, which partly I think helped us attract the first users for the actual product later on. Um, but also informed us and like let us like learn a lot of things that we might have discovered through the product usage as well, but might, you know would have taken us weeks or, or months longer to get there. Mm, cool. I love that. You know, uh, you know, it is really important for you to, of course, talk to the customers, et cetera, but also give them something visual. A lot of folks they they tell you, okay, where can where I can see it? Like, do you show me anything moving? A lot of people did come up and say, okay. It's good to have verbal feedback and getting uh, to incorporate everything that you have inside your head and getting it transformed, but it is even more important, more uh, useful to have them something visual uh, and, right. and keep building the product, maybe prototype, maybe any Figma uh, you know, design or any movable interactive uh, design of source. Great. So now one last question before uh, I set you free and I really appreciate that you are being so expressive. Now, Thinking of today, you have good users, like not paying users, but active users. That is even more powerful. Uh, for we have paying stage. users too, just to be clear. You also have paying users. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> you said that it's it's an open source. I thought it's more of a free, like Jitsu. It's a free platform. So you have paying users. So are you looking forward to uh, just self, you know, going self-funded bootstrapping or you want to raise some funding? Um, I think that's a path that, you know, we're continuously working out as we go. Um, I don't think we have like a set opinion on this um, sort of today. We definitely do have a big vision about this, you know, becoming the standard that developers use to build native integrations in SaaS products. For this, it probably will make sense for us to go in and raise additional funding when the time is right. Um, but mm -hmm. honestly, we're really just focused on, on the users, the value that we provide right now and, and how we can improve that um, and basically grow faster. Because, you know, if we want to become the standard, then there's still like millions of developers out there who need to hear yeah. about us, who need to adopt us, um, and for whom we need to be able to solve a really complex problem. Cool, cool. And if there is one thing that you uh, think uh, Nango right now is missing for developers? Uh, we just got another request today that, you know, I think we've heard a few times is like, we, we do all this like, you know, OAuth uh, flow API authentication things for you. There's another common mode of authentication that we want to support is called the uh, API keys. Um, and so that's definitely something that we would like to add um, in the near future. Help me understand that. Is that the API key that I, I was integrating uh, Calendly with Zapier? Uh, just a few days ago, it was uh, right. So that we kind of like how Sapir can make you know calls to your Calendly API, for instance. So there's two like big ways in which APIs do authentication. The first one is OAuth, um, and the second one is API keys. We currently support OAuth, um, and it's really where I think like you know more hassle is usually for developers. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But then we also have some APIs where you need to use API keys, and now that people have you know their OAuth tokens and their OAuth authentication stored in Nango and handled for them there. 
they're kind of like, mm. well, why couldn't you like, you know, store my API keys too? That would be really convenient. Um, yeah. So that's definitely something that we would like to improve in the future. Mm, that'd be great. And how, like we talk about uh, this, what about Salesforce? Like, uh, you know, Salesforce is, supported, you, like, so is there any wanna... kind of complication? This is just um, for my understanding. I'm, I'm so sure. sorry. I'm so non-techy. <laughs> I'm so non-technical. No uh, so like, when it comes to infrastructure as big as Salesforce, you're trying to make sure you integrate all of the Salesforce natively, all the data that's inside for all the sales teams, as well as all the tags, all of those, uh, you can say, objects, custom objects that they have inside. So how do you enable your customers? Like there will be a lot of in the mid-market and, and in the SMB space that are using Salesforce that might consider, uh, you know, Nango for the integration part. And it is super complicated because we're doing it. Uh, so how do you think that uh, Nango can make it even more seamless and sort of a plug and play when it comes to Salesforce? Sure. So like, you know, there's two parts to this, right? First thing is like, you need to be able to connect to the Salesforce API and, and connect and access the customer's data inside of the Salesforce API. Um, and that's really where we're helping you the most today. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, Salesforce has a very complex and, and not always quite standard OAuth flow. Um, they do a lot of weird things around like sort of refresh token handling, uh, using a different base URLs, like sort of, those are technical terms, right? Like not, don't worry if you, like they don't ring a bell, but like those are the issues that kind of your developers have to solve to even just get access to the Salesforce API and to start to be able to pull data from your customers basically. Um, and so those are the things that we help you with today. So instead of like dealing with all of those things, like a Salesforce integration with us is just like two lines of code basically for your developers. And then they can go and use all of the Salesforce APIs. And so the next question is sort of like, okay, what data do I need for my customers out of their Salesforce accounts? You know, Salesforce, as you mentioned, is a huge platform. They offer different products with a lot of different, you know, sort of features. Um, and then it usually comes more down to like sort of a product question of like, how does our product interact with Salesforce's products? With which of their products do we want to integrate? How does that integration work on a sort of like workflow or, or user level? And then like the next step is once you understand that for engineers to take that and translate it into, okay, what does that mean in terms of like what kind of APIs and endpoints we're using? How are we making those calls? And that's where we would like mm -hmm. to help you a lot more in the future. Um, but today, honestly, it's it's hard to even just get access to the Salesforce API and just start making API calls. We typically see teams take like several days to figure out all the stuff there and like iron out all the issues. And you know, with Nango, they can just be much faster. Mm, great. And same goes for like segment is a little easier because inside segment we have segment integration to amplitude segment. Uh, inside segment, there are some parent uh, events and then there are some custom events. So they go like uh, on user level, on company level, you just need to map those. So I'm sure this is quite easy with, with segment using uh, Nango. Right, so I think I, if I understand correct, I think segment is solving a different problem for you. So segment is sending yes. your event data that you capture in your product to your yes. different SaaS pools, right? Text Whereas text, the integrations yes. that we are talking about are the in-product integrations that live inside of your product where you don't move your own data, you move your customer's data basically. So your customer mm -hmm. would go into your product, would connect their Salesforce, and then you would pull in their leads or contacts or opportunities, um, which I think is slightly different from what you know most people use Segment for, which is they use it, I think, more for like the analytics tracking on like person has clicked a certain button inside my product. 
And now I want to send mm-hmm. this data to Amplitude and Mixpanel and my data warehouse and, you know, five other things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it's like a different way. I think, yeah, it's a different way of building integrations, basically. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. So segment is more of a pipeline, like it just uh, pumps the data. Like it's just, uh, it's a gateway for all the data. Yeah. And like, so I think that broadly speaking, in, in, in integrations, there's two kinds of integrations. There are integrations where you as a company connect all of your different SaaS tools together. So this is where Sapier plays, where Segment plays, yeah. where Trader.io plays, where Cardo and so on. Um, they help you basically as an individual company connect all your different systems together. And then there's the other mm-hmm. kind of integrations that we focus on, which is the integrations that are built into a software product where that software goes and connects to your to the different APIs to pull in the customer's data. So this is like you know Mailchimp integrating with Shopify and Salesforce and HubSpot to pull in data from their customers' accounts there, so that they can send email newsletters to all those people from all their systems. And so those are typically called like native integrations because they're natively built into the product that you're using. And we're really focusing on helping engineers build those native integrations in B two B SaaS products. Love it, love it. And those are going to be, it can be third-party integrations like external APIs, using external APIs. Right, it's usually, so it's it's external APIs from the point of view of the software that is building them, right? Because let's say you are MailChimp, right? Then like you, your system is MailChimp and now you want to pull in data on people who have ordered stuff on Shopify stores. So you would connect to the Shopify API on behalf of your customer to pull in your customer's data from Shopify. So you work with the Shopify API and the same with Salesforce, HubSpot, and so on. Thank you very much. And using Nango. Yeah. Of course, authenticating all all of these with Nango. Uh, That's the goal. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you very much, uh, Robin, for giving me this education. I've learned a lot. And who knows, you have added a lot of things to my knowledge regarding this API integration industry. Previously, I was so familiar with, only familiar with uh, Postman, uh, maybe API Matic, Stoplight, some platforms uh, in the mid-market they're serving. And now I know while you explain it that how unique of a of a, of a use case that you're serving. Uh, so I really appreciate uh, you took the time today, uh, uh, Robin, and thank you very much for being such an educator. Thank you, Adil, for having me. Love that. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so very much for staying with us on the episode. Please share your feedback at adil at hyperengage.io. We definitely need it. Uh, we will see you next time with another guest on the stage with some concrete tips on how to operate better as a customer success leader and how Im- you can empower engagements with some building some meaningful relationships. We qualify people for the episode just to make sure we bring the value to the listeners. Do reach us out if you want to refer any CS leader. Until next time, goodbye and have a good rest of your day.